You have located Geekfest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. the job they didn't tell me it was about Star Wars. Walking onto the set is like no feeling you've ever had. I'm just so grateful. I'm so, so grateful for this. A new Star Wars series for Disney Plus, set five years after Return of the Jedi, The Mandalorian chronicles a bounty hunter's adventures across new planetscapes. Its stars include mixed martial arts alumna Gina Carano. I play a character named Cara Cynthia Dune. She is an ex-Rebel shock trooper, and then she kind of goes rogue and um, is a bit of a loner, a badass. She's traveling from planet to planet to survive. Cast by series creator John Favreau, Carano figures to spend a fair amount of The Mandalorian doing what she's always enjoyed doing. If you're going to come in and take me to prison, I think we're going to have a little exchange. Star Wars, for me, symbolizes a lot of hope. It really came along at a time in my career where I needed it. Everything has been so right about it. I learned at 19, you follow your heart and things fall into place with that. Certain things happen, I'm telling you, the force. Like, certain things are meant to be. Hi, everybody, and welcome once again to GeekFest Rant. My name is Carlos Perone. And today we're going to have one of those episodes. This is one of those episodes that I recommend that if you do not want to hear anything about politics, you should avoid. You can skip this one if politics is something that bothers you or you just don't want to get into it. Today's topic is the Gina Carano firing from Lucasfilm and how that is being portrayed by the Star Wars fan community. Now, we're going to go through the specific things that led to her firing. And then we're going to spend a big chunk of time on how the Star Wars community, specifically the toxic Star Wars fan community, is embracing her story and welcoming her more than ever before into their arms. In a way, they are more or less uh, making her a martyr. She's the poster boy or the poster girl in this case, of their particular type of fandom. Once again, if politics are not your cup of tea, please skip this one because unfortunately, under the surface of what's going on here in this situation is politics. So let's get started. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin direct via satellite from our on-the-spot task force. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Thank you, Bob. It's Mort. Mort, yes. I am Ted Baxter, and here is the news. 
All right, today we are going to be examining the recent controversy surrounding Star Wars actress, specifically Mandalorian actress, Gina Carano. This is a situation that's been brewing for a little bit of time now, and it has basically exploded into her being pretty much fired from Lucasfilm, from The Mandalorian Show, and the side effects that this situation has caused, and how in typical Star Wars toxic fandom fashion, it seems to be affecting people in different ways, and there's different camps on whether or not it was a good idea to get rid of her. First off, my background with this actress, which we mentioned before, I think, when we started covering The Mandalorian originally, was that my knowledge of her primarily came from the movie Haywire. Obviously, I'm not an MMA person, so I have no idea of her career until somebody actually, you know, mentioned that she had a career as a fighter. And specifically, it's MMA, which is different than wrestling. You know, the it's it's not the theatrical fighting. It's more of the real fighting, the, you know, the boxing type, but, you know, more more martial arts-ish kind of uh, fighting. She first came into my radar with the movie Haywire, which is a movie I absolutely love for many, many reasons. It's a fantastic action film. I love the director's work. Some of the other stars in the film. I mean, she is the lead, but in, in all reality, she was like nobody. She was a complete unknown to Hollywood, at least, until she made this film. The film wasn't a blockbuster hit or anything, but it was a great film. I loved it. A lot of famous people in it. Michael Fassbender was in it. My favorite of all time, Bill Paxton, was in it, playing a completely different character. He played her father. So... You got Paxton playing a completely kind of different role that we're never used to seeing before. Chatham Tatum. Uh, again, we've talked about this before. It's a great film. I recommend it to everybody. And her particular role was was really good and interesting because she was definitely not in the, let's just say, the category of Hollywood actors, which she was playing with. What she brought into this role was the physicalness of her performance, the fighting, the choreography, all that stuff that they were able to use her instead of a stunt double for, for many of the of, you know different sequences, fighting sequences, which worked perfectly for this movie. Again, you know, you can't put her on a high-end, you know, dramatic kind of role. She's there for a specific type of role. Since then, I think she's done... She was in Deadpool. She kind of played a one kind of note kind of character, a tough guy, you know, fighting kind of character. She was in one of the Fast and the Furious films. I forget which one. But a lot of her Hollywood films, and I would probably say Deadpool was probably the biggest one of all of them. Fast and the Furious by association for, you know, to that franchise. And to me personally, Haywire. She's done some more films. And I believe more or less she's kind of playing the same kind of character all the time. And, you know, that tough gal, you know, fighting, very physical, that kind of role. Which is probably why she was cast for Mandalorian. They, they wanted a tough, you know, female character that could do a lot of the fighting that is required, you know, for this character and for the rest of the characters. 
And to take advantage of the fact that she is already into that sort of thing, so you kind of, kind of also minimize the amount of doubles that you need to use and stuntmen and, you know, stunt doubles and that kind of thing. I enjoyed her performance in the season, you know, in The Mandalorian. She was a very good cast member. She did her job well, let's put it that way. I couldn't tell you that, oh my God, she was so amazing that they should have, uh, you know, spun her off into her own thing. I wouldn't have said that. I believe some people were thinking of such a thing, but I had no issues with her whatsoever. When the second season started rolling around, uh, right before that, I remember, there were some little blips here or there that started to surface about her and social media. Uh, Whether it was Twitter or Instagram or whatever the heck it is that she was on, she started posting certain things that were, there's no way around it, they were political, social-political, if you will, it's a combination of both, and I kind of tried not to pay too much attention, because it's one of these situations where it's like, oh man, why does this actor have to do this? Why do they have to go in this direction where we as viewers have to now examine what they're saying and pass judgment on what they're saying. You can kind of say, well, who cares? It's just a little thing. And then just keep going with it and just, you know, purposely ignore it so you don't have to deal with it. But after a while, you're like, oh, she said that. And that is in reference to this. And this is in reference to that. And you're like, oh, man. So you start to, at least in my particular case, you start to get this kind of like, just bad feeling and bad bad vibes of what you're dealing with as far as this particular actor goes. So when the second season started, off the bat, I noticed, and I'm granted, it was in the middle of COVID and everything that the, the, the second season, um, you know, begun. And they weren't doing that much promotion, I think, in terms of how they did for the first season. You know, they had a... Uh, uh, I know that they did that that documentary uh, for Disney Plus that the first season they did like five or six different chapters and everybody's interviewed left and right, up and down. And then for the second season, it was only one episode and they kind of crammed it all into one episode. I was like, oh, that's unusual. I mean, not only for her, but I would have liked to have seen other people. You know, I would have loved to have seen another five part or six part documentary, but it kind of started to sort of coincide with what was happening behind the scenes. So this whole thing basically ended a couple of weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, with her being let go after the second season. The second season itself, she had a very minimal role. And I really can't tell if that minimal role is any indication of what was happening. Because if you think about it, it all kind of came out at the same time. So they were way, way done shooting, you know, this second season. And the second season what was practically starting when she started to have all these problems with her social media. Now, in order to examine the situation, and I am hitting it from two different perspectives. One perspective is examining exactly what happened as far as we know. There's a lot of rumors out there. There's a lot of insiders say blah, blah, blah. And then there's the actual words of people. So it's going to be a little difficult, you know, kind of trying to figure that out. But the other part of this that I'm going to focus on is also the fan reaction to it. Specifically, one show, one podcast show that... 
I've had some experience with in terms of me being a super fan, you know, absolutely loving uh, this particular show and then running into a situation where they said something really bad. A number of things they did that were pretty bad that kind of turned me off to that show to the extent where I ended up doing two, three, four part specials (laughs) on the controversy surrounding some really nasty things that were said and done from those individuals. And we'll hit that in a little bit. So let's begin with the actual tweets. Randomly, I don't know. I mean, I guess just the way anybody does it, Karana started posting certain things on the internet, on social media platforms over the last, oh, I don't know, six months with everything coming to an end pretty much two, three weeks ago, more or less. Lucasfilm put out a statement, and this is so far, I believe, the only official statement from Lucasfilm, uh, saying that Gina Carano is not currently employed by Lucasfilm, and there are no plans for her to be in the future. Nevertheless, her social media posts denigrated people based on their cultural and religious identities are abhorrent and unacceptable. So they're basically telling you that she is no longer going to be working with them and the reason for them being her posts on the internet, being the reason for it. So this probably started sometime in the summer or late summer of last year, possibly August of 2020, where she posted something that at first I didn't understand what it meant. And it had to do with the gender reference that people put on Twitter. Again, I didn't understand this because I'm not a big Twitter person. I'm barely a Twitter person. So apparently what you do on Twitter is when you create your account and you put like information about yourself, not only do you put your name, but Twitter will ask you to select, I guess, or insert whether it's he or him or her or hers, you know, a gender description as to how to refer to that person. So in case you're dealing with somebody who you don't know what gender they are based on their name, let's say, if the name is John Smith and that person like would prefer to be referred to themselves as a her, that gives your people that are looking at that a hint of what this person prefers. Again, this is a very important thing when it comes to the transgender community. And it's just a respectful thing to do and to be aware of. I admit it could be a little confusing, but it's a sign of respect. It's a sign of compassion. It's a sign of civility. And I've had conversations like this with people before because I'm like, there are times where I'm like, wait a minute, it's LGBT. And then they tell me, yeah, but it's also this, 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 and that. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not aware of this, 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 and that. I only know these four. I didn't know there were other things. So from an uneducated point of view, I understand it being something that's confusing. But in this particular case, I believe what she did was she added the the words bop, bob, and beep. And that is not exactly a mistake, In other words, that is basically her kind of making fun of it. It's kind of like just making up sounds because she's mocking people that are requesting to be referred to in a certain manner. What's really ironic is that after she did that, 
And a lot of these tweets and a lot of these things that she posted, some of them she ended up taking down because of the flack that she got. And some of them she didn't. One of the things that I read somewhere was something having to do with the fact that, of course, she wasn't making fun of people. She was she was just being taken out of character, but that she talked to Pedro Pascal and he made her understand a little better of the insensitivity of, of that kind of a thing. Ironically enough, very recently, I believe I saw a post somewhere about one of Pedro Pascal's, again, I forget because I don't remember the article, either brother or sister coming out as trans. And how that is so directly tied into his life in terms of whether he was or is, he is now definitely a big <laughs> expert on the subject matter now. So this is something that is is in his life right now. So he has more than enough authority to be able to speak on that subject. And you also kind of figure that at least behind the scenes, you know, it kind of looks like they're all a team and they're all friendly with each other. And she claims to be, you know, very tight and close to Pascal. But I'm sure, you know, I don't have to be a fly on the wall here, but I'm sure that all of a sudden when a person you work with is making fun of somebody that, in his case, is in his family, whether she knew that or not. She might have not known it, but that doesn't matter. That's the whole point is the don't say stupid things because you might stick your foot in your mouth in front of somebody who you might not have any clue that could be insulted by what you just said. This is something that happens to me almost every day <laughs> at work. In terms of people saying really, really stupid stuff because they don't see me in the way that they think they see me. But that's a whole other story. So that was one of the first cases where all of a sudden she got the, you know, she's got the whole community or the whole LGTB community all pissed off at her because she is making fun of them, basically. She tried to make some kind of a statement of it being, no, I'm not making fun of them. I'm just, uh, I'm just standing up for people that get bullied for, for, you know, for, from, from, from the mob that, you know, kind of takes over and, and yells at you for saying something different or blah, 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 for having different opinions. So the, that whole kind of victimization, you know, it's, it's us against them. It's them against us thing was already in the works in the beginning. Around this time, on her timeline, I see that she joins Parlor, which is another social media group at that time. Now, individually, these things might not be connected, might not seem connected, but when you look at the entire scope of all these different things that have happened, you kind of start to see a pattern. Well, Parlor, if you're not familiar with it, is a kind of a right-wing version of Facebook. If you follow the news a little bit, you kind of see how after Facebook and some other social media platforms started banning certain groups, certain hate groups, certain people that are claiming scientific things that are not true, people that are violent, belong to violent groups, white supremacists, all that kind of right-wingy stuff, looking for a place to go so they can kind of say their things without getting in trouble for it. That's what Parler was all about. That's why it came out. It became the, hey, if you are like us, you're going to be in this social media platform instead of that social media. You know, you don't want to be in Twitter or Facebook 
because that's where all those people go to. You come to Parlor where you can say everything you want to say and nobody will, you know, ban you from it or anything like that because you could say anything without getting in trouble. That was the claim to fame of Parlor. Well, she joins Parlor. So the ball is kind of rolling. You're kind of seeing what direction she's going without even knowing her. I mean, I'm sure if you know her, you know what she's all about. If you hang out with her, I'm sure you might get an idea like you do with your friends or your family of what they're about. But from a entertainment celebrity, you know, relationship that you have of somebody that you admire, that you watch on TV or whatever, and you're kind of wondering what they're all about. Okay, so now you have another little data point. Uh, you know, on her profile. Then after that, I believe there's a claim, I think she might have made it, that because they started to get flack, people started to send complaints and they started their own hashtag of getting rid of her as the actress because of they were so offended by the things she was saying. From what I understand, and this comes from her, not Lucasfilm, uh, Lucasfilm provided her with some kind of a speech or some kind of document she could put out there to kind of apologize for what she was saying, you know, to to kind of mend the fences with that community. And she basically declined to do anything about it. She, she didn't want to apologize because of her postings. She didn't want to do any damage control, basically. So a little later, she posts a tweet uh, having to do with anti-masking. She wrote something to the effect of, in a world where everybody wears a mask, it's a privilege to see a soul. And she basically had a picture, I think, of somebody wearing a mask on their over their eyes, I think. And again, there was some reference about how the government leaders, and again, this is California, so it's heavily Democrat, recommend that something, they were saying something like everybody should wear blindfolds along with masks so they can't see what's really going on. So it's kind of like a weird anti-government, anti-California, anti-Democrat, anti-mask, anti-COVID you know, COVID safety statement that she was making to the effect of her not having to be told that she has to wear a mask, you know, in public and that kind of thing. At the same time, she was also calling to open up the churches, open up the businesses. People are dropping like flies from depression and suicide, overdoses and murder. Again, these are kind of political talking points that I remember hearing these on TV, you know, coming from the then president of the time. And that is one of the favorite anti-masking arguments that more people die because of other things. So masks is not a big deal and, and more people are committing suicide and more people are doing this and more people are doing that. And it's like, okay, yes, that is your opinion. I understand that, but but people are dying. And, and, and again, I cannot make the argument here to you of why she's wrong, but she is purposely putting up these, what are basically political thoughts. I mean, you can call them medical thoughts, but they're medical, but the science is not on her side when it comes to those things. Again, you could be listening to this and say, oh, nope, that's it. I'm done. You, you, I could see what side of the aisle you are. Don't like you anymore. I'm not listening to you. That's fine. But what I'm saying is that she was doing that. She was deciding to scream to the world what her personal political opinion was. An opinion that is not safe, that could potentially hurt a lot of people, herself. Obviously, I understand people that are, that are for 
oh, I'm, I'm responsible for myself and myself alone and what I do only affects me. That's true to a certain extent, but not when you're in the middle of a pandemic, when you could potentially infect other people and other people could infect you and you could be infecting people without even knowing it. That's a completely different animal you're dealing with. And your personal freedoms don't exactly apply when you are a potential time bomb, you know, a potentially infected individual that could get other people sick and killed. That's something that just does not compute with some people. And that is the stance that she decided to take through her Twitter posts. So the ball keeps rolling. You have your anti-trans stuff. You have your anti-masking stuff. And I believe she even, in one of these interviews, she said that she, she, she said something like, I haven't even been to a church over a decade, but I sure would like to go now. So in other words... She doesn't really give a crap about churches being open or closed, but because this is politically in her side, she will now go to a church or go to church. Like I, I find that hard to believe, but it's kind of like kind of like sticking it to the people she doesn't like, which is a very well-known, you know, stick it to the libs kind of thing. Do something to piss them off, just to piss them off. It doesn't really mean or matter much to you, but you know it's something that will piss them off. That's basically what she's doing with these posts. Now, granted, she's doing this while she is acting. She has a job. And it's not like she decided that she was going to change her life and be a political commentator or a she, they were going to give her her, her own show on Fox or Newsmax or OAN or something like that. No, I believe that at the time she still considered herself an actress that would be working in Hollywood. But at the same time, she would like to throw these little jabs, you know, at people through social media. She also kind of went the route of the conspiracy theory way. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, she wrote something about how the suicide of Jeffrey Epstein, putting some kind of message that he didn't really kill himself as if it was all a conspiracy to get him to to kill him in order to, you know, in order to cover up the secrets that he knew. And yeah, I mean, that is basically a conspiracy. It's no, no matter how you slice it, until you have proof of anything, it's conspiracy theories. She also didn't mind going in that direction too. So you got, you know, you got a kind of like a, you know, right-wingy QAnon kind of uh, a soup being mixed over here. These are her beliefs. This is what she's about. When she's not working, this is her, <laughs> when she's not at her day job, this is her night job. Her night job is all these, you know, political things that she's uh, into. But apparently, the last straw, if you will, because Lucasfilm apparently had some chats with her about this. But the last straw came uh, on a post she put up, again, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, and the uh, the post is basically a, a picture, which is a, a historical picture, from what I understand, of a half-dressed woman uh, running through the streets of, I don't know, maybe it's Germany or Poland or something, a black and white World War II image, and people are kind of like yelling at her or throwing things at her. She's basically being abused. They're throwing things at her and that kind of thing. So her quote is, Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children, 
because history is edited. Most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views? So to understand what she's trying to say there is basically her saying that her views are kind of like being a Jew during Nazi-occupied Germany. That the government, being the current government, the democratic government, is turning her neighbors against her. So the, the people she works with, they are being turned against her. You know, just like Nazis were hurting Jews. So she's comparing herself to, I guess, the six million dead Jews, the millions more that were murdered during World War II, and that your current government, basically the Democrats, are the Nazis. That's her comparison of what's going on right now. And that was where I think Lucasfilm said, okay, we, that's enough of that. that that's, that's where we kind of draw the line on her social media shenanigans. That was a pretty direct one in terms of politics. She did have some earlier ones having to do with voter fraud and fake votes and all that stuff that was happening during the election where you had uh, Trump screaming about imaginary voter fraud and her kind of going along with it, you know, kind of perpetuating that lie. So she stated uh, in one tweet, we need to clean up the election process so that we are not left feeling the way we do today. This was on November 5th, a couple days after the election. Put laws in place that protect us against voter fraud. Investigate every state. Film the counting. Flush out the fake votes. Require ID. Make voter fraud end by 2020. Fix the system. Okay, she's got an issues with the voting system. Again, not that anybody cares, <laughs> especially people on her side of the aisle, but there were approximately 60-some-odd court cases that ended with, no, there was no problem. There was nothing there. Even the Supreme Court, nothing there. But people are still kind of stuck on this, certain people. I believe she also had some problems. Uh, she also posted some anti-Black Lives Matter material calling Black Lives Matter supporters cowards and bullies, not educators. Uh, because somebody said, well, don't you think these people are trying to educate everybody on what has been happening and some of these things that have been going on? And her response was, no, they're not educators. They're just cowards and bullies. So it's like, okay. But again... You're getting a bigger picture of all the things that got her into trouble. And with that whole Jewish Nazi thing being the last straw for Lucasfilm. As a result of this, again, there haven't been too many public descriptions of what happened. She did go on some interviews afterwards. But most of the time, she's kind of working the, the right-wing crowd in terms of where she goes to talk. Her, her biggest profile person that she immediately announced she was going to go to and has was Ben Shapiro's The Daily Wire. Ben Shapiro, if you're not familiar with him, he's kind of like the young version of the alt-right. If you're into the whole alt-right thing, depending on your age, you have your older alt-right people, and then you have your younger ones, the... the, the Believe it or not, there's a flavor for every... 
There's a type for every person. If you want to be taught by a, a younger kind of person, then that's the place to go. And he apparently said that they're going to make some movies together. He's going to produce. He's going to develop some uh, projects for her now that she doesn't work for Lucasfilm anymore. So they seem to be kind of like uh, in the works, let's say, of whatever it is that she will be doing next. We'll see what that turns into. So that's the background story in terms of what happened to her. Lucasfilm is a private company. Disney owns Lucasfilm. They're a private company. So the whole issue of being canceled, because that is a term that you're going to hear a lot, a lot more nowadays. Over the last couple of weeks, what they're calling cancel culture, they're working it into every talking point that's out there having to do with current politics. Anytime somebody now gets in trouble for saying something crazy, whether it's medically dangerous, whether it's racist, violent, like having to do with like the events that happened on January 5th, their automatic defensive, you know, mechanism is, oh, you're canceling me, you're canceling me. If Facebook throws you out of Facebook or Twitter throws you out of Twitter, you're canceling me. It's cancel culture. Well, it's basically capitalism. You have private companies that don't want you for one reason or the other because they have certain standards. And when you violate those standards, they can then just say, nope, you cannot participate in this because you're violating our standards. Big difference than the government saying, shut up, stop talking about XYZ. They're trying to portray themselves as victims, but not just of social media problems, but just world victims in terms of this is the government canceling us. This is the government shutting us up. And it's happening at political levels. We've seen, I forget Hawley's uh, first name, but uh, this representative Hawley, who was, uh, his book was pulled because he he has a lot of problems, <laughs> a lot of things to answer for it having to do with the insurrection that happened on the 5th. And the book publisher that was supposed to work with him pulled the plug on it. And he's like the poster child for cancel culture now. Well, that now, that kind of uh, self-victimization is carrying on to other levels of events that when somebody now gets in trouble, they'll just say, oh, it's just the the government canceling me. They're shutting me up. They're They're taking away my free speech, you know, all that kind of crap. That is not. These are private companies. You cannot just say whatever you want when you work for somebody, especially in entertainment. So from my perspective, I don't have a problem with this in terms of, yeah, I'm not surprised that it happened. I was wondering how long they were going to let her say these things. Because, yeah, I mean, when I, again, like I said before, when I was watching the show, especially on that second season, it was kind of like, oh, there's so-and-so. Oh, I like the character, but... Oh, man, too bad she's apparently such a horrible person. She's saying all these horrible things. And it's kind of like, it would kind of take me out of the show. And I've talked about this in the past. I talked about this in the past. And, and this is what leads to the, the second part of this conversation. And that is, what happens when the people that we at one point like, admire, then do something so incredibly stupid, but in some cases not stupid, deliberately cruel and mean and nasty, for whatever reasons, that you as a viewer or as a fan 
all of a sudden start to kind of like say, damn it, you know what? I don't think I like this person anymore. I've talked about this before when it comes to Star Wars toxic fandom. I talked about it before. I talked about it a couple years ago when we had a big issue with a podcaster that started to say these nasty things in the vein of this. This is this is right up their alley. This is the Rebel Force radio crew, if you guys remember, where we highlighted all these nasty things they were saying and all this trouble they were getting into, which then sparked a whole other mess of threats from them to cancel us. They wanted to shut us down, which didn't work. We're not able to do it. But the situation was almost the same. It was somebody who whose job is to do XYZ, but instead of doing XYZ, instead of just talking about Star Wars, they started to bring in their personal politics. They started to bring in specifically very alt-righty kind of very toxic fandom subject matter things. It was anti-LGTB stuff. It was, again, it, it, it's right, right out of the pages of this event. You know, they're obviously the fascination with Rush Limbaugh by one of those two hosts. You could see it. It's right there. You know, coincidentally, as we've learned that Rush Limbaugh has passed, I'm sure this is something that is not being taken very well by that crew specifically one of them. But let's try to figure out now, you know, what is her standing now in the Star Wars community? Because the question uh, that floats around is what will Lucasfilm do in terms of her character? Will they recast the character? Will they just ignore the character and move on to another character? So that those are things that are up in the air right now and people are speculating left and right as to what they're going to do. We'll see. We'll see what they do. But one of the first things that I said to myself is, Yes, this is bad, you know, for the this actress, because now this actress doesn't have that job anymore. She figured, I guess, it was more important to say these things, speak her mind, to tell everyone her personal political beliefs were more important than maintaining this job, which to me is insane. I mean, if you end up working for Lucasfilm in, in a capacity like hers, you're a co-star of a practically the most popular show out there, you're willing to just piss it away because you want to scream about your political beliefs? I'm like, okay, hey, to each his own, I guess. There are consequences. There are consequences for that sort of thing. So my whole thing was, well, even though this is a career-ending kind of thing when it comes to trying to work in a, in a mainstream environment, I mean, if you're working for Fox or OAN or, uh, or Newsmax, this is gold. You are now their hero. You are now their their superstar. They, I, I mean, if they could use her for something, they would. If she could host a show, she she can't host a show. She she's a she's a fighter. She likes to fight. She's not really too much into talky talky. She's more into you know punch 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 kick kick. But if they could do something with her, and believe it or not, even in Hollywood, there's niche. Things And I've learned about this recently, that there are certain production companies and certain directors and certain producers that are trying to tap into that market, that right-wing, alt-right, you know, pseudo-racist, pseudo, you know, uh, Holocaust-denying, uh, Nazi, KKK, you name it. There is a market for that, believe it or not. It's not super gigantically out there. 
but it's there. So that is one possible place for her to go. So I don't think she's going to be uh, like not working. She will be working some shape or form. There's plenty of right wing stuff she can do now. However, in the Star Wars community, what I was looking at is, well, how will the Star Wars community react to her? If it's anything like what it's been in the past, specifically in the past, I don't know, three, four years, she could really do pretty well with a portion of the Star Wars community. And to me, there's no better example of the, at least the Star Wars community, because there are other genre communities out there. You have your geeks and gamers crowds, which are super crazy, you know, right-wingy. You know, your, your, your Gamergate people, your Comicsgate people, you know, you name it, they're out there. And that's a place for these people to go. But specifically in Star Wars, there has been a split. There has been a split. And I can't tell you it's a split down the middle. I can't tell you 50% or 50% because I have I don't have those kind of numbers when it comes to Star Wars. I mean, when it comes to politics, you know we're pretty much a 50-50 country where 75% of Republicans apparently uh, are willing to do it all over again. Everything that's been done these last four years, there have no issues at this moment right now. Things might change, but right now they're willing to redo it all over again. But in the Star Wars community, I, I don't know exactly what the breakdown is. But I do know for a fact that one of the most popular shows that I've highlighted in the past, Rebel Force Radio, show that I was a complete, absolute fan of, Dave decided to make a turn a couple of years ago. Not officially. It was a, it's funny. It's not an official turn. It's a slight curving. In other words, it's kind of like when you're driving down the road and every now and then you start to go into the gutter a little bit and you get back on track and you kind of go off the road a little and you get back on track when you're like, you know, that you're really tired and you, you're kind of swerving a little bit. That's kind of how they've been functioning for the last couple of years where when they stay on subject and the subject being Star Wars, it's a fantastic show. They stay on the road, but every now and then, their personal political beliefs start to seep in through the show. And you start to learn about what do they think of LGTB people? What do they think of women? What do they think of, you know, all of these touchy political, sociopolitical subjects that kind of seep into their show, their views? Well, I had a feeling that for this particular situation that they would be pretty, pretty embraceful of, of her and this event that just happened be totally against it. And I had not listened to the show for, I would imagine, almost two years. Uh, because once I stopped with them, I said, screw it, I'm done with this. Uh, you know, I'm, I was only, at the time, trying to figure out what, what it was that they were saying and listen up to that point. And then I completely kind of like said, all right, enough. That, let's move on to something else. There's only about a thousand more shows out there uh, that talk about Star Wars. This doesn't have to be one of them for me. But in this particular situation, I said to myself, this is like custom made for these guys. This is the place where she would be welcome with open arms into, you know, as to what happened, as to whose side of the story you believe, as to what point of view you have, as to what political overtones, overtones, what political slant that they would take. Uh, so I decided, all right, let's wait until they talk about this situation to kind of see which way they go. And this is what I did. I downloaded their February 19th show, I believe, 
That's what it was. The show is called Gina Gone, Cara Dune Cancelled. Very important word, cancel. You got to use that word. Again, just so you know who you're dealing with here, uh, this is Rebel Force Radio that I'm listening to. And the live show, which is apparently the format that they're using, whether it's a the show of that day, as usual, is between Jimmy and Jason. Now, again, a little more background. Certain quotes I, I, I was able to grab on, which pretty much tell you where they're at. Overall, Jason is all against what happened. Didn't like it. Thinks it's awful. Terrible. Jimmy seems to be playing the devil's advocate here. So in other words, while I think he usually sides with whatever Jason says, politically, philosophically, he is a little more willing to bend a little bit. And in this particular case, he is sort of playing that role of the devil's advocate. So in Jason's portrayal of what happened, he frames it as an important issue of civilized society. This particular firing, the term cancel culture, like I said before, is going to be used repeatedly. And it's something that we have to kind of get used to now politically because that is a, a rallying cry for the alt-right, the you know conservative side of political things now, they've become a, a victim. You know, the, the exact same thing that they would criticize the left of, of being always the victim, now it appears to be their turn to be the victim. But the overall thing that's going on here is that I got the feeling that they are dealing with this situation in the same manner that they dealt with their own situation of what happened a couple years ago when they got slapped down by Lucasfilm and a lot of other people for the things that they were saying. So he's framing it as a, uh, like I said before, an important issue of civilized society, okay? And that issue is cancel culture. This whole thing is being framed around the cancel culture issue. And he describes it as as it being a high level of magnitude. Basically, the, the world's coming to an end because of cancel culture. Jason also uh, gives us the heads up that they're not going to get into the weeds. They're not going to go in the weeds of the comments that she made, which is off the bat a way of saying, we're not going to give you the facts. We're just going to pick and choose the particular facts that make our point. So again, if you're listening to the show and you're saying, well, what about when she said this? Or what about when she said that? They're not going to touch on that. He also claims he's not going to get political. He doesn't want to get political. But it's impossible not to get political when it comes to dealing with this because she is basically being fired for distasteful, false, dangerous, insensitive things wrapped up in a political package. It's all part of the basically talking points of a political movement. So you can't separate those two things, even though he's saying that He doesn't want to get political about it, which is impossible because his whole thing is that, you know, his opinions, uh, again, when he goes off the rails, are wrapped up in politics. And if you're going to pick a specific subject like this, the particular firing of of an actor, the reasons for it, politics are entrenched in what happened. The other thing that he mentions is that there's blood on everyone's hands, on both sides, and that is a... It's a typical rallying cry, if you will, of right-wing politics, of 
hey, everybody's got an opinion and they're all equally should be heard. It's like, yes, but when you're screaming fire in a movie theater, that goes beyond being your opinion. There's a certain point where your free speech is now over the line. You're inciting people to hurt other people. You're inciting people to hurt themselves. That is where we're at right now. He is more of a, hey, let it happen. Whatever happens, happens. Freedom is the most important thing to say whatever you want. And the after effects of that freedom, who cares? It's just part of freedom. Again, if you are wrapped up in that kind of way of thinking, then there are no boundaries to anything. He basically compares the, the Gina Carano situation to the Kathy Griffin situation. And it's unusual because, and it's somewhat hypocritical, if you will, because Kathy Griffin ended up losing her job for a while because of what she did, because of that image that was put out there on the internet. And whether you agree or disagree, she had to go through a period of, you know, of losing her job for a while. And now it's Gina Carano's turn. She wants to make a political statement that could be considered dangerous in some shape or form. And now she is suffering the consequences for it. Jason throws out there the question of, does the punishment fit the crime? Meaning, I assume that she should have been reprimanded, I guess, again, even though from what I understand, she was talked to at least once before about what she was doing. And, and there were certain things done in reaction to that. So the, the, the red flags were going up, as far as I'm concerned, from her employer. Again, remember, they're trying to make it sound like this is government shutting you down. Evil government. Because they don't particularly like the current government. But this is your employer. You know, when you work for a company, and, and this is something that even Jimmy believes, or at least says uh, that he believes, or he understands, when you work for a certain company and you're of a certain level of importance to that company, even the things that you say outside work could reflect badly on the company and the company has the right to terminate your employment if you cannot, you know, keep those opinions to yourself. Jason also, which I, I don't think I've ever heard him do this before, and granted, I haven't listened to him in, in, in over a year, but way over a year, quotes a philosopher, a gentleman named Jordan Peterson, and he says that in order to be able to think, you have to risk being offensive. Okay, that's a nice little quote. He also, I forget, he, I think he also tried, quoted another one uh, named Sam Harris. Now, it's always nice, or it's always, wow, you know, you, when, when somebody starts to quote people, and, and this person is, is be, you're told he's a professor and a philosopher, you're like, wow, wait a minute, he's just not talking out of his butt. He's quoting people from, you know, higher learning, academia, probably Ivy League people or something like that. And you usually put a little more weight on a statement like that. And, and I guess it's supposed to make you say, well, you know what? If smart guy over here is saying this, then maybe I should consider smart guy's words a little more. Well, the people that he's using as examples of the smart person in the room, you know, the smarter than us person that we should be listening. Hey, you don't want to listen to me. That's fine. But you should listen to smart guy over there. The, the particular philosopher, uh, this first one, uh, from what I said, he's a Canadian uh, philosopher professor. He's usually taking a right wing, you know, anti-PC, very popular with Fox News, Tucker Carlson, Infowars. You know, he's all about complaining about uh, social justice warriors, SJWs, snowflakes. Again, listen to the language, and now you kind of understand 
you know, who this person is. He's very anti-gender identity. He's into conspiracy theories. So again, it's the the usual response that you have when you're dealing, you know, when you're throwing facts out there and you're quoting academia, let's say, and then the other side says, oh, shoot, I, I, I got to find myself somebody who uh, has some kind of a degree that sounds kind of important. Uh, maybe somebody who has some kind of following, but spouts the things exactly the way I want them said. And that's something that, again, when it comes to these alt-right groups, that's what they've done in the past. They've looked for somebody to kind of say, well, look, here's a here's somebody who went to school, and he's not an idiot, and he says exactly what I want them to say. This is exactly what Jason's doing at this point. He's throwing to the audience big important person's name and quote so that you would be like, oh, wow, this guy's smart. Wow, J- Jason found the, you know what? If, if smart guy says it, then Jason must be right. It doesn't work like that for me. Again, when you do hear somebody start quoting important people, people that I guess in amongst his circles, you know, it's like, let's, he's having lunch, let's say, in a cocktail party or something. And he's like, you know, that makes me think of a quote I once heard from Professor blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, right. Come on, look it up. <laughs> when somebody gives you a name like that, look it up. Look up that name. Look up that person. Read a couple of articles about what they're saying and what is the reaction and what is the slant of what this person's saying. He basically found somebody that has his slant and his slant is right wing alt-right territory. Jimmy does throw out there that the statement that when you speak your mind, it sometimes comes with consequences. Very appropriate if you think about it because of the things I remember that they did a couple years ago, that they decided to be a little more political and speak their mind, and there were consequences attached to that. Now, granted, now they claim that, oh, everything's wonderful now, things are great, and, and, and I'm sure that they were able to solidify their right-wing, let's say, uh, side of their fans. You know, if if everything is 50-50, which is, I, I assume that's how it was before. I assume that before they, they started getting into trouble, they were dealing with a, a pretty broad range. But I have a feeling that after what happened a couple years ago, their fan base became more righty because that was a safe place for them to be at. They could spout these beliefs without anyone telling them, hey, what are you doing? Don't don't be rude or anything. No, just let it rip. Just continue to let it rip. And there's probably a lot of people, a lot of new people that, yes, you know, they start listening to the show and the show is, oh, wow, it's a pretty good show. This is great. They're talking about this. Oh, they said something weird the other day. What was it? Ah, never mind. Let's just keep going. And then you go again and you go, oh, this is a pretty good show. Wow, these guys know a lot about Star Wars. That's great. Oh, that's good, good. And then they say something else. And then sooner or later, a pattern starts to develop. And if you want to, if you are interested, if you are curious, if you can pick out those things, then you start to make that connection that, wait a minute, there's an undercurrent. (laughs) There's something happening, you know, below the show that seems to be following a pattern. And that pattern is that every now and then you get hit with that political punch and you sometimes don't even feel it. But there's a market for that. Jason does admit that, I guess, for, for certain jobs, you cannot post inappropriate things 
inappropriate items about the job or due to the job. And that's true. Yeah. There certain jobs require that. Certain jobs you know ahead of time that they are very worried about their public image and that something like that would be a problem. Or if they don't tell you that ahead of time, sometimes you will get a warning or hey, listen, I know we never talked about this, but or sometimes you end up signing some kind of contract that you usually don't read, which has the fine print that says something to that effect about you know, the use of social media. Jason also says that mainstream media likes to go to Twitter to kind of gauge the temperature of the culture. Yeah, but you go everywhere. Everybody goes everywhere for, you know, they do a poll and they say, well, the poll states that 50% of the people this and 25% of people that. But I guess his point is that mainstream media values come from whatever Twitter is yelling loudest at. Now, his point here, I believe, is the fact that the people that complain about her behavior is the reason she got fired. On the other hand, when people use Twitter in a negative manner, I don't think he's ever had any complaints about that. I think he kind of puts it on the free speech side of things. But whenever you complain about somebody, all of a sudden it's not free speech anymore. It becomes just part of the cancel culture. So, yeah, it's 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 not exactly a, a two-way street uh, when it comes to, the, to this sort of thing with him. Another person that Jason all of a sudden threw a quote out there, uh, not, a, not necessarily a quote, but a, um, a reference to an interview that uh, Carano gave uh, was with a writer named Barry Weiss. Barry Weiss was a, again, look up the names. When somebody throws a name at you, look them up because there's a reason why they're using these quotes or they're using these names that they throw at you as part of the research. The reason he uses that name is because that was a... New York Times writer that was fired from the New York Times for some reason, I forget exactly why, all of a sudden this person became a kind of like a media darling of the right because of her objection to a left, <laughs> a lefty kind of publication. So it's kind of like, you know, when somebody flips sides, they become a temporary hero to them and everybody wants to talk to them. Well, again, Karana is giving interviews mainly to people that are right wingy now because that's the people that she is associating herself with even more openly, and those are the ones that will come to her defense. The question of whether her character should be replaced or written off is brought up, and that's a great topic to talk about. And that's when the show gets good, as far as I'm concerned. When they are dealing with the mechanics of the show and the writing process and the possibilities of the show, that's a great topic. You know, people have all kinds of ideas of which way they should go with it. There's also lots of toy speculation, because there were some rumors or insiders say, you know, that kind of stuff having to do with the toys. As far as I know, there was something posted as a result of an exchange between Big Bad Toy Store and Hasbro, I think, having to do with reordering certain things, including her character's action figures, and them being told that there, right now there are no plans on doing any new pre-orders for more of the six-inch or the three-and-three-quarter line. But as a result of that, the rumors is that, oh, they're pulling her characters. They're just not, they're going to, you know, they're going to remove everything from the shelves with her face on it and, you know, destroy it or something. I don't know. Again, that's rumors right now, but we don't know exactly which way they're, they're going because we haven't heard directly from them. But the little information we do have seems to be hinting at a freeze of, you know, in other words, whatever's out there, get rid of it, you know, finish it, and then just don't make any more. Jason also throws out there, once again, the idea of... Uh, how the artist ha has to be different than the character, and those are two different people, and you cannot 
you know, blame one for the other's actions, that sort of thing. Well, that, again, that's a subject that I talked about uh, a, a long time ago, actually. And it's a, it's a slippery slope. There's a point where you, you will forgive certain things being said, especially by somebody that you really admire. And there's a point where you might just put your foot down and say that enough is enough. And I went through that. Look for my controversy, toxic uh, fandom episodes uh, two years ago. Look for those, because that's exactly how I came to the realization that I was going to stop listening to this this particular Star Wars podcast, the, the Rebel Force Radio, because there were certain things said that, to me, was, you know what, that's enough. I, I just, I cannot go forward with this. If this is what they're all about, this is where I draw the line. Some people will not draw the line there. Some people will listen to them no matter what. Hey, if your politics align with what they're saying, if you have those little digs and those little political FUs to the people you don't like being part of the show, and they align with your beliefs, then I understand why you would not want to do that. It makes perfect sense. But if the things that they're saying and the rude and denigrating comments about women and and trans people and, you know, all these uh, hot button political issues are the type of things that, you know, after a while they start to grind on you, then... Yeah, you might want to consider going somewhere else. They're not the only Star Wars podcast out there. There's hundreds, possibly thousands of them out there. A lot of them are very good. But yeah, you know, there's a fine line when entertainment turns into, you know, a, a political kind of show. And again, that's why I warned you guys, this is a political show today. We usually don't do that. But unfortunately, this is a political subject, the undercurrent of this topic, this Karano firing, has a heavy, heavy political undertone around it. Now, quickly going back to the issue of the action figures, uh, as I mentioned before, right now is that they're not taking pre-orders. And from what I understand, the Funko Pops either already have been sent out or manufactured, so those appear to be okay in terms of people still receiving those. And there is also no word on the Kenner style ones that are coming out this summer, the Mandalorian ones, the vintage Kenner style, those appear to be still on the horizon because I apparently, well, again, I'm going to assume the problem is that they already made those and they don't want to just end up throwing thousands and thousands of these figures in the, in the garbage. They're going to put them out. But again, these are just rumors. So we don't know for sure exactly how this is going to work itself out. One of the statements that also was out there was that according to Karano, she only found out about her firing through the social media in terms of that statement that I read earlier uh, having to do with Lucasfilm saying that they have no plans on continuing to work with her. There's a claim out there that she was currently negotiating. Again, I don't know if this comes from her or her agent or somebody, uh, that she was in the process of negotiating her new salary. She was about apparently about, supposed to be getting more money as the show got more popular, blah, blah, blah. And there's also a rumor that she might have been in the works to possibly be a spin-off character for this uh, Rangers of the New Republic show that was announced to the extent where... A couple of months ago, and we talked about this, when that announcement came out from Disney uh, of all the uh, Marvel and, and Lucasfilm properties, that when that show was part of the slate of announcements, that she was supposed to kind of walk out there as part of a surprise of, and you know, and so-and-so is leading this new show, blah, blah, blah. And that didn't happen now because of this. It's a little difficult to follow the timeline, and people are also speculating. I mean, the, the speculation is a little difficult because, uh, you know, you figure that she got in trouble right around the time when season two was coming out. So you figure that it is conceivable that all these 
possible negotiations and all these possible spin-off conversations might have been happening before she kind of lost it on social media. This might have been right around the time of the success of season one and before season two, you know, the production of season two, where all of a sudden it looked like she might be getting her own show and making more money. And around that time, that's when she might have lost it and said, hey, I'm going to start screaming my head off, you know, on social media about my political views. Okay, good luck on that. Jason also talks about the um, the gender pronoun incident, the one that kind of started the ball rolling a little bit with her, which resulted in allegedly Lucasfilm asking her to apologize publicly to the public and to, to the extent where the claim is that they even made a statement. They, they pre-wrote a, a statement for her to be able to read and put out there, and she basically declined. So... That is uh, possibly the first step in her firing was that she did something against the policies of the company, something that upset the company, and that the company was looking to repair that problem. And she basically refused to do it, refused to apologize, declined to apologize. That's a very important statement, I think, that Jason makes, because that is a very typical, again, uh, for that political way of thinking. A couple years ago, when, when Jason gave that, an interview to Geeks and Gamers, he talked about how, yeah, he, they, they said these things, they'd done these things, and that people were attacking them for them, and Lucasfilm got upset at them, and they didn't let them you know, continue to be in their, in their conventions, and this and that and the other. And he said, and again, based on his own personal political views, and again, I mentioned this before, he's a huge, huge fan of Rush Limbaugh, in terms of how to communicate and how to behave in the public. And if you throw on top of that the political temperature, the political heroes, if you will, of the time, the particular political climate, rule number one for a right, you know, alt-right or right-wing individual is never, ever, ever, let me make that clear, never, ever, ever apologize for anything. Because when you apologize, it shows weakness. Does that sound familiar? If you show weakness, then the enemy comes at you even harder. It's a different mindset. It's a completely different mindset. Again, I like to think of it that the other side of the spectrum of that way of thinking is to apologize. If you did something wrong, apologize for it. You cannot move forward without acknowledging that either you made a mistake or you did something wrong. And there's a difference between the two. It is possible to say something stupid without you realizing it. And it is possible to say something stupid on purpose. She said something stupid on purpose. When Jimmy and Jason said stupid things in the past, I think they said it on purpose. I think they felt very comfortable. I think they felt that society was changing and society wanted their political point of view out there as part of the show. Kind of like mix it in there. Now, I understand it's tough. I mean, you're doing a Star Wars show, and if you're going to do two hours of Star Wars talk, there's just not enough subject matter to talk about, and you have to just come up with something. And and sooner or later, hey, you know what? I can do 10 minutes on making fun of somebody's name or making fun of somebody's gender or making, you know, I, I understand that, that um, temptation to expand on something that has nothing really to do with the subject. But you can kind of say, look, how, look, it's going to be funny. I'm going to make fun of this person, and it's going to be a big ha-ha, you know. 
my like-minded people will like it and they'll think they'll, they'll 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 be like yeah you tell them jim you know that kind of thing maybe i don't know but i think it's very important that that is the number one thing there that i remember having to do with any kind of dealings with this show specifically jason jason seems to be the the philosophical force behind this duo. Jimmy is more of the attack dog. Uh, Jimmy will publicly be the social media attack dog. Jason kind of takes a step back, but Jason becomes very brave on the show. He's more of a controlled, uh, you know, environment type of guy. He's the brains behind the show. Jimmy is the muscle behind the show. And in this particular episode, it's funny because it's you. I almost get the feeling like Jason is saying everything out of his heart, out of how he feels about things in general, politically, specifically politically. And Jimmy kind of agreed to be the devil's advocate. He kind of goes along with whatever Jason says. But here he was like, you know what, let's let's just, you know, so people, so people don't, you know, that's the... <laughs> Jimmy, so people don't uh, uh, accuse us of being uh, one-sided. I'm going to take the devil's advocate, and I'm going to, you know, put out these. And he does. Throughout this particular show, he is throwing out there to the best of his ability. Not so much the she said something wrong point of view, but she said something she should have known would get her into trouble. So he's not condemning so much the statements for their validity. He is basically saying, you're working for Disney. Disney is the enemy. Lucasfilm, to a certain extent, to their way of thinking, is the enemy too. The problem is that they have this fascination with Star Wars, and they cannot, you know, 40 years later, 40 plus years later, they cannot still wrap their mind around how Star Wars is not a right-wing fairy tale it's not <laughs> and every time you go from one to the other to the other you keep getting hit with this thing where you know well disney they're just uh, you know they're just uh they, 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 they're left-wing company and blah 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 and lucasfilm is a left and, and george lucas well you know he's got his left-wingy things and it's like they kind of treat star wars like this this thing that you you make your own, and this is, again, this is the problem with fandom, is that you make it your own and you create an alternative history, which is perfect for alt-right people. You create an alternative history of what's in your hands. And you purposely forget or refuse to acknowledge that the things that they hate, the things that the alt-right people hate, are exactly what Star Wars is. The bad guys are not... The Rebel Alliance, the bad guys are the Imperials, and they just can't wrap their mind around it. So, you know, whenever, to their point of view, Lucasfilm making a decision to do something like this, it's horrible. And why would they do such a thing? Why would they want to cater to people that are being offended, people that are being marginalized, people that are discriminated against, people that are being, you know, sexually discriminated against why would they that's kind of like what they're supposed to have been doing you know that's the lucas part of lucasfilm it's also smart you know capitalistic policy when it comes to corporate environments 
Do you want to cater to everybody or do you want to cater just to these three guys on the right? No, Disney wants the most amount of money possible. Disney wants to be able to have LGTB people spending their dollars. They may, I, and I made this, I made this argument before. You got a chart, and the chart says racist, sexist, misogynist can get us so much money. But if I include everybody else, the people that these people hate, if I include as many people of color, for example, or LGTB people, or foreigners, or women, people of different religions, if I include those people as much as possible, we will make more money than by catering to racist, sexist people. There it is. It's black and white. It's capitalism. The most amount of money is who we're going to cater to. And unfortunately for them, unfortunately for people that agree with their politics, they are not going to cater to you. Star Wars will not bend to your way of thinking. But I digress. As I said before, Lucasfilm did remove her from the publicity tour uh, for season two. That's something I noticed right away that all of a sudden, wait a minute, she's not showing up in this, uh, you know, you don't see her. And I read that, yeah, COVID was going around, so we didn't see much publicity to begin with. But what little publicity they did do, you didn't see much of her. And also on that making of uh, thing that they did that normally the previous year was a six-parter, they only made it one-parter. And I don't even remember seeing her face, to tell you the truth, barely on it, you know. So that was that was interesting. Jimmy also makes a, a statement about how if you kind of work on the fragile egos, you could have diffused the whole situation. I think he's referring to the people that complain about her, the people that got offended by her statements. I don't think he's talking about her because she doesn't seem to have much of a negotiating or, you know, go along uh, kind of uh, history. Uh, granted, you know, as I said, they, they, they asked her to apologize. She refused. So... I think he's referencing that the people shouldn't just have that complaint. They should have been able to just take take the insult and move on. You know, again, this is part of that whole free speech thing is the, the yeah, you should insult people. It's, there's no problem with that. And just, you know, just take it and, and, and just, you know, get on with your business. Jason also uh, theorizes that he doesn't think that she was trying to purposely sell, sabotage her career by putting out those tweets, which, you know, again, that's that's a lot of assumptions going on there. And that... As far as he's concerned, referring again to the masking or the anti-masking tweet, he kind of labels it as a benign tweet. So again, to him, it's the, the masking issue is it's really not a big deal. You got to think of it from his mindset, from his specific, you know, political bent on things that, you know, the masking is really not a problem. And again, what's funny is that Jimmy throws out the issue of not wanting to get into the weeds of the problem, the weeds of the quotes. So in other words, once again, you know, they don't want to get deep into the quotes, you know, of the actual tweets, because again, in my opinion, that will kind of unearth more stuff that not only she had to defend, but they would have to defend They would have to get into it, you know? So it's kind of like you're cherry picking which tweets they're going to defend to make it sound like this was a horrible thing that happened, you know, her firing, not the thing she said. Jimmy continues to state that no matter how you slice it, she should have known what was happening. 
In other words, that she should have known that this was leading into a bad situation as far as her employment went. Again, Jimmy never really seems to take offense to any of her tweets. He just sees it more as a practical matter of because you work for this company, there are certain things that you shouldn't say, not because they are wrong, but because the company doesn't want you to say them. Jason, again, talks about not wanting to look into every post, which, you know, we keep going on this circle of these things are harmless, but let's not talk about the the other ones. Let's just talk about these. And Jimmy throws in a, a Star Wars reference, which, yes, it sounds really good when it comes to a Star Wars podcast. And that is the, you know, from a certain point of view should also apply to corporations, meaning that corporations should respect everybody's views. Everybody has a certain point of view. Again, that goes back to the whole matter of, you know, screaming fire in a movie theater. There are consequences to what you say. There are private consequences to what you say, depending on what company you're working for. And I really don't like it when they try to use Star Wars logic to defend something that's pretty undefendable. This goes back to people trying to rewrite Star Wars in terms of let how do I make Star Wars fit my particular political view? I have a feeling this is not exactly what Lucasfilm had in mind, but that matter, Lucas, George Lucas, had in mind when he said the for a certain point of view. And the funny part is that even fans kind of would laugh at that line after a while in terms of it being somewhat bad in terms of how Obi-Wan was hiding certain things from Luke, you know, to the extent where it was kind of like Lucas kind of kind of writing, trying to write himself out of, the, out of a script problem by saying, well, it was a certain point of view, certain point of view, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? It's... Luke is uh, like kind of like slapping Ben in the face by saying, no, you can't just say certain point of view on this. No, you did something crappy and now you've got to fess up for it. That's exactly what's going on here. She did something crappy and she's got to fess up for it. And Jimmy cannot throw the certain point of view bullcrap response to that. Uh, Jason keeps saying that Lucasfilm needs to educate their employees. He's kind of using that lawyery kind of thing of, well, if my client was guilty, my client was guilty because she, uh, she was never told the rule. You know, it was kind of like he's, he's kind of pulling one of those. It's like, nah, nah, you, you, nice try. It doesn't work that way. Once again, uh, Jimmy throws it back to the both sides are culpable. I've heard this argument many, many times. I'm very familiar with that argument. Um, again, I know somebody who uh, <laughs> loves to to kind of bring it up in terms of whenever, let's say, whenever somebody who's in office that he agrees with messes up, does something horrendous, it's always both sides are at fault. But whenever somebody he doesn't like does something horrendous, it's that person's fault. In other words, whenever your guy messes up, it's much easier to blame everybody and to take personal responsibility. Again, remember, this show's mantra, if you go back to that Geeks and Gamers interview that Jason gave, is never, ever, ever apologize for anything. 
So when you build your house around never apologize, you're basically putting a Band-Aid on top of a Band-Aid on top of a Band-Aid. You're covering up a problem by creating a new problem. You have a lie on top of a lie on top of a lie. And they address a, a phone call question, a phone call statement or question from one of their callers who states that there seems to be a double standard with Lucasfilm when it comes to authors and when it comes to fans. And again, that is a um, a jumping off point that, w- that later will get addressed. Again, this having to do with the whole Chuck Wendig scenario, which is something that Jimmy is dying to throw in the mix here, but he doesn't at this point. He doesn't deal with it at this point, but the implication is that, well, you know, you let your other people do it and get away with it, so why are you letting this person not get away? You know, it's double standard. We're dealing with that double whataboutisms. And just to be clear, if you remember the most current history, at least with, uh, you know, the Disney Lucasfilm crowd, let's say, or their their, their main entertainment division. Disney has already dealt with this a couple of times. There was the whole uh, James Gunn uh, issue where somebody dug up some old jokes that he told when he was part of some other comedic group that were deemed offensive. There were references to rape or child abuse or or 9-11, you know, things that really don't play very well, you know, with a mainstream crowd. Uh, It was a very niche, comedic kind of thing. But they were found, they were brought out, and as a result, he was fired. I believe it might have been from one of the Guardian films or something like that. And he's been kind of in the weeds for a while, and I think just now he might be starting to get back on track. I think he's he shot... uh, the Suicide Squad. After that, he went to uh, he went from Marvel to uh, DC, and uh, again, I'm not sure exactly what his status with Marvel is right now, but that cost him his job. And then there was another famous one, Roseanne Barr. After getting her show back after how many years, and the show kind of debuting really well, she went off the rails and started putting out some racist tweets, uh, political, specifically having to do with Obama's uh, people, and again. Disney said, all right, we can't do that. We can't have our our star of a show posting racist stuff. And they got rid of Roseanne Barr. So there is a history, and that history is not necessarily a one-sided history. I'm going to just assume that James Gunn was more of a liberal kind of guy, and Roseanne Barr was more of a conservative kind of gal. Um, And uh, so it it kind of cuts in, in both directions. And even the Chuck Wendig situation that we'll address later, you know, ended up in him losing his his job. Jason goes back to the uh, the masking issue as to kind of hint or to kind of explain that people twisted that quote to make it negative, that people were kind of reading what they wanted to read into it, sort of. I completely disagree. I know, ex- I think she knew exactly what she was doing. She was being sarcastic in terms of she was trying to put out her points, her her political views, in a very subtle and sarcastic manner. And at a certain point, it kind of went a little too, not just subtle, but in your face. These weren't just like random thoughts of like, I love trees and and butterflies. These were very specific things that she was posting about, things that bothered her politically. 
and she wanted to kind of spew them out there. And don't get me wrong, I, I, I understand that feeling, but you also have to understand the repercussions that come from posting those kind of thoughts. Jimmy also uh, mentions that Pedro Pascal posts some of his political feelings, but he doesn't seem to get into trouble for them. And that uh, Ryan Johnson, back again a couple years ago when, when he was posting stuff due to the negative fan reaction of his film, you know, he was posting some stuff that uh, Jimmy, I remember, used to rail against as it being uh, insulting to, to the fans. And that is one of those things that kind of sticks to him, that kind of he, he kind of carries with him everywhere he goes, the Wendig and Ryan Johnson stuff. And that how, because of those events, there should have been more communication with Carano uh, so that there's more consistency across the board in terms of what people should know of what is allowed and not allowed, and then how the punishment gets doled out, you know, in response to the offense that gets made. Jason tries to kind of dig a little deeper into the issue of why should Carano have to apologize? What is the reason an apology is needed from your boss or your corporate entity that you're employed by? And Easily, you could say this is this goes back to his theory, his philosophy of never apologizing for anything. But the implication, I think, is that the reason for the apology is not so much that the person said something wrong, but that you get a negative reaction from your customers that demand an apology. Once again, this goes back to what I kept saying. If Star Wars was catering to white supremacist, racist, misogynists, you know, that kind of alt-righty crowd, then there would be different standards. But Star Wars doesn't do that. Star Wars and Disney, they don't do that. They've decided at some point in their, in their lifetime that they would rather be inclusive rather than exclusive. And that is something that, again... <laughs> Right-wing people cannot understand, and Star Wars fans, some cannot understand. Behind the Star Wars brand, whether they achieve it or not, behind Disney's brand, their image, behind the image, I'm not talking about the day-to-day -day workings of the business relations and the crap that Disney does financially in business with employees and that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the image that your company's trying to portray is an image of inclusivity. Same thing with Lucasfilm. Same thing with Star Wars. You go back to Lucas, his characters are not Nazis that are being persecuted. <laughs> no, his characters are good guys that are being persecuted by Nazi-like people. So it all goes back to that. It keeps going back to that point of, yes, the company is going to listen to people that want more inclusivity, people that want more liberal, if you want to call values, than people that want more, you know, super conservative alt-right values. Deal with that. Deal with it and get over it and understand that if you're going to play in that sandbox, if you're going to not only work for them, but if you're going to be representing them, that is the kind of stuff you want. And you want to avoid the opposite, which is the kind of show 
or the kind of values that some people, like the RFR crew, wish Disney and Lucasfilm would kind of lean more towards. It's not going to happen. That's not how it works. That's why you have fan fiction. When you're not happy with the way that the product is being made, whether it's Star Trek or Star Wars or Doctor Who, you can sit at home and write your own stories, and Luke can be a uh, you know a plantation owner in the Civil War, <laughs> and Vader can be the Union soldiers coming to get Luke. Yes, you can kind of twist it around and do the opposite in your mind at home, but that's not the product that is going to be put out by the people that currently own the license maybe if you get okay let's 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 put it this way let's say you can get somebody like murdoch you know the guy that owns fox news or the people that own infowars or oan or you know any kind of very right-wingy you know outlet to buy disney then they can turn all of their disney properties into uh, you know kind of like a right-wing you know alt-right kind of a bend to them they, they will have to then talk to the, the slate of actors and the slate of directors and writers and say, hey, guys, guess what? Uh, you know, we want you to now make another movie, uh, another Star Wars movie, but we want to change it up a little bit. Let's make it so that, you know, remember all those alien looking creatures that were kind of helping the rebels and stuff like like Chewbacca and all those weird looking non-human, uh, non-white, non-male kind of characters? I want to kind of make those the bad guys now. Okay, so you'll see how that goes. See how it works. You know, will the, the actors agree to come back and do that? Will the normal writers they were using do it? Will the will there be a slate of directors? No, they won't. They will be able to get somebody like, you know, like this guy Ben Shapiro who who can come in and say, "Yeah, well, you know, I have a media company and I can I can probably, uh, you know, churn out a film." And and there are a couple of personalities, if you will, there is a slate of actors that are very kind of right-wingish that are always complaining about how they don't get enough work because nobody likes them, blah, blah, blah. Those people can then become their lead stars. So you can have, you know, uh, <laughs> you can have a Star Wars film starring Bruce Willis and Clean Eastwood. That's a top-notch uh, director. He could direct the next Star Wars film and you could have a I don't know, John Voight and Roseanne Barr. She can come out of uh, retirement or whatever it is that, that she's on. And and Tim Allen could be in it. And, you know, like I said, if they were running things, these are the people that you would go to. But that's not how it works. And they keep forgetting that. They keep thinking they can change Star Wars. But they're just a bunch of fanboys that are kind of on the right side of the spectrum. They're on the you know, kind of like conservative, extreme right side of the spectrum, which is the opposite of what Star Wars is. Jimmy brings up the, the possibility that maybe the way she acted was because of her background as an ex-MMA fighter. You know, that kind of like, she's always like in your face. And so she's always looking for a fight, no matter what she's doing. She needs to be engaged in some kind of a conflict with somebody. I don't know. That's a little too psychological. I don't know if you want to blame that or I don't know if you want to use that as an excuse so, sure, you can think of that. If You can theorize about that if you want. That's perfectly fine. Jason continues to pound that a minority of uh, like-minded individuals can ruin the career, you know, of somebody uh, over just a, a pretty, you know, innocent tweet. He's throwing it in the opposite direction of, of where it is. 
It's the victimizing. And again, it's also ironic that from a group that would normally, you know, tell you, you know, not to be a snowflake, typical, you know, toxic fandom, alt-right term referring to uh, left-leaning individuals, complaining that the, you know, that the left is always the victim of something. And they have appeared to have switched uh, roles completely, you know, with all these cries of accused of being in the middle of a cancel culture war now, that is the the key phrase now that's being thrown around, and that they are the ones that are being victimized, and they're the victims. Again, this is what got her (laughs) fired in the first place. This is what finally got her fired, was that she was now comparing herself to Holocaust victims because of her right-wing views. I mean, yeah, they're really playing up the victim card now. Then you have a caller who calls in and, and uh, mentions that the, even the term cancel culture is a toxic term, uh, which is what I've been saying all along, uh, and that is that it is just a talking point. It is a catchphrase, something that is very easy for the right to feed to their supporters because they don't really have to think about it. It's just two words that they can just kind of repeat over and over and over and over. Something bothers them. They can just say cancel culture, cancel culture, cancel culture. You know, it's it's a it's like a mantra that now you again, you're gonna be hearing a lot of that. You've heard of just just heard it recently on the uh, on the uh, CPAC uh, convention. Every other person was screaming about cancel culture. That's the talking points. And again, regular political talking points, they end up even in shows like this. And the caller says that it is not a cancel culture. It's just being held accountable for what you say, which is exactly what happened. But they allowed that comment to be made. Jason automatically says he disagrees with this caller completely, as expected. Jason also mentions that he also um, didn't appreciate the fact that they didn't recast Carrie Fisher. Because Carrie Fisher, according to Jason, you know, she she died because she made poor life decisions. She decided to get high on an airplane and die. Now, I think her medical condition might have had something to do with that, even if it did have to do with that. But think about it. To make that kind of statement, and apparently he had made it before. I don't remember if I was listening to the show at the time when he made that statement. But that is a cold-hearted... If you are trying to, you know, worm your way into the good graces of Star Wars, of Lucasfilm, saying that Carrie Fisher died because of her life choices and that they should have recasted her because why should she be deprived of the character when the actor decided to make the bad decision of dying, taking some sort of drug and dying in the process? I don't care how you slice it, but if if you were working for Star Wars at the time, let's just say he was employed by Lucasfilm, I would imagine he would have gotten fired so fast his head would spin. That is the type of thing that you don't just kind of use it as an excuse or you use it as a whataboutism, you know, for what's happening now with this actress, with the possibility of recasting this actress. So, and on top of that, you know, Carrie Fisher is kind of like one of the holiest of holiests when it comes to the Star Wars cast. You're talking about Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher. Those are the top three tier people, period. Whether you like her or not, those are the top three people. And to criticize her in that manner after she's dead, 
really, really doesn't show too much class, if you will, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, I mean, again, I think he's lucky he wasn't uh, employed by them because they, I, I, again, I think they would have fired him right away for making those kind of comments. Whether they're true or not, they're distasteful. There's, there is such a thing as, you know, don't speak ill of the dead and don't use somebody's death or somebody's poor judgment that resulted in their death to defend somebody else that is throwing political insults, you know, through their tweets. That's a bad strategy. I mean, if you had a lawyer, I think the lawyer would say, you know what, I'm not going to use that strategy. The other thing that Jason goes into a number of times is this whole thing about he's saying, well, with freedom of speech, you know, um, there should be a way to pay back to society to kind of get back in its good graces. And again, I think a lot of these arguments are really not only being made for this situation, but I think a lot of these arguments, they're really making them about themselves, about what's happened to them in the past. Uh, the fact that Lucasfilm has not really welcomed them back with open arms, I think that's what they're trying to do. But his his point is like, even if you rape or murder somebody, you know, you serve your time and then you're allowed to come back in the fold. But it looks as if here in this situation, you know, there is no forgiveness. You cannot forgive people like celebrities who say something stupid, you know, on social media. There's a totally different standard for something like this. And he's kind of, again, he's hiding behind the political nature of those statements. He's basically, again, victimizing himself because when people state their political views, they are more punished than somebody who's raped or murdered somebody who's then served their time and they're allowed to come back. And I'll say it again. She's not going to jail for what she said. She has the right to say as disgusting things as she wants to say. And their employers have also the right to employ or not employ them, depending on that. It just depends on who you work. Now, let's look at it a different way. Let's say instead of working for Lucasfilm, she was working for something like Fox News or OAN. Not only would she not get fired, she would probably be the hero, the superstar of the channel. That's another potential place for her to go next. I mean, again, I don't know if she has the chops to kind of be able to talk long enough to get people's attention and to kind of keep people entertained. But, you know, if if, if Fox had a uh, some kind of MMA fighting, punching kind of show, then she would be perfect for it. But she could say whatever she wants. And her employer, being Fox, would say, no, that's okay. It, it doesn't violate any of our standards. Those kind of accusations, no, we're perfectly cool with that. But when you work for Disney or some other more, you know, regular company, that's not the clientele that they want. So you are not allowed to say those things. And Jason, once again, goes after Pedro Pascal because when he posts anything that could be considered social or political, he does not get in trouble for him. Again, he's into the what about is it? What about him? What about this person? What about, well, because you're not insulting the majority of your audience when you're posting these things. That's the difference. You know, if you're going to post something popular, you're not going to get in trouble for it. But if you post some kind of fringy, weird, potentially dangerous, racist, sexist, whatever kind of thing, then you are going to get in trouble for it. Again, you could be the biggest racist in the world, but you have to understand that there will be consequences for that. At a certain point, Jason kind of blurts out there that, well, maybe her judgment was not the best. It's, again, you're... 
you're kind of chipping away at at all of these excuses that he's trying to make for her. And now he's he's like, all right, well, let's just assume that she just didn't have the best judgment in mind. And he's like, well, just in, you know, and just in general, a Lucasfilm employee should not be engaging in political, you know, commentary. That, you know, everybody should know their place, that this is what you're hired for, and you're not here to give political commentary, or you're not running for office, you know, that this is what your job is, and that is not your job. And that whatever it is that a celebrity will say or do in public, it kind of reflects, uh, similar to like sports people, because they mentioned sports people a number of times, how whenever a sports uh, person gets in trouble for doing something stupid, they get in trouble with the company too. And that's kind of how it is with celebrities. You know, you, you get in trouble with whoever you happen to be working for at the time. And that, you know, whatever you do, it should be in the best interest of the fans or the company that's paying you. That's true. However, what he's trying to do here, he's, he's trying to kind of walk around the situation that they got themselves in, you know, when Ryan Johnson or even Wendig, for example, started spouting out their political views or their reaction to extreme fan reaction and that is that he's kind of pleading once again for their case it's very different and and again you can call it a double standard but if the public opinion is in your favor most times the company will not crack down on your comments because it is public opinion that they agree with so that is the kind of opinion they want they are championing for a well, if my guy can't say what he wants, nobody should say what anything they they want to say. That's their their logic is, well, if you can't have my alt-righty views, then you should not let anybody have a views. But that's not the point. The point is that these companies go primarily with public opinion. And if public opinion feels that you're doing something wrong, they're going to change it. If public opinion feels that is being excessively right-wingish, they're going to rally against that. Public opinion will rally against it, and then the corporate environment will kind of try to go along with that to a certain extent. The problem is that it does not, it has not worked in the opposite direction, and they're upset at that. They're upset that the public opinion doesn't side with their political beliefs. Jimmy keeps asking about having like a new era of social media responsibility, you know, where people are more educated in general, not just companies, but just in general, people should know better. Than, and again, this is so ironic because this kind of stuff is exactly what they have been doing all along. They have been spouting out and fighting on forums and not only themselves, but by proxy, the people that listen to them have been harassing other people and getting into fights and trolling and doxing and all kinds of stuff having to do with social media. But they're the ones who are now, I don't want to even say they're calling for a truce because they're pretending that they just had this great idea of, well, you have to educate people better, especially these celebrities on how to do it right. Well, I think it starts at home first before you, you before you get to a celebrity, you should do it yourself. Now, Jimmy also stated that, again, from his insiders, from the people that he knows, whether that's true or not, I don't know. I can't confirm that uh, because no names were given, that everybody in Lucasfilm is at high alert because nobody wants to say something that's the opposite point of view of what Lucasfilm believes in. And that really got Jason up. And wait a minute, are you saying that they all have to think like Lucasfilm? You know, that, that kind of opened up that that path of questioning. And to me, the, again, 
first of all, you're quoting an insider that doesn't, that you don't have a name behind it. But again, I'm, what I'm saying is think about it. The company doesn't want you to go out there and say things that are completely the opposite of what like their mission statement is, their goals are, what their company stands for, what their public image of the company that they want to have. You can't have an employee out there doing the opposite of that. That's basically it. That's basically it right there. You cannot go completely nuts and spout these things and expect to just get away with it. Jason continues to claim that the, the firing was completely unjustified and that they shouldn't have done it. And that brings us back with Jimmy talking about the Chuck Wendig thing, you know, using him as the example of, well, they didn't fire him. Marvel ended up firing him. Well, that is exactly, if you think about it, the same pattern with the Gina Carano firing. Disney didn't fire her. Lucasfilm fired her. It's whatever umbrella of the company they happen to be working at. Don't get me wrong. It probably came from the top. It probably came from both places going at each other going, we got a problem here. Yes, we have a problem here. Yes, we have a problem here. You know, that kind of thing. I don't think that these two entities are not in sync when it comes to something like that. So because that person is working under that umbrella of the company, then that umbrella of the company will have to take the responsibility for them. Well, that's, I think, what happened to Wendig. Wendig was a writer who was writing under the Marvel umbrella, I believe. So that's what he was fired from, from the Marvel umbrella of Disney. He had some other books, you know, in the future that he was going to work on. And those, all those things got canceled as a result of that firing. But the thing that he was actively working on at the time was Marvel. So Jimmy tries to use that in terms of saying that, and I think what he's trying to say is that Lucasfilm didn't have a problem with him and Disney didn't have a problem with him. It was Marvel that had the problem with him. It's like, no, I don't think so. Again, I'm I'm doing the same speculation that he's doing, but it makes sense because of the corporate structure. The specific direct group you're working for is the one that ended up firing. Because why, again, why didn't Disney fire her? Why wasn't it told that Disney has decided? No, it was Lucasfilm. She was working for Lucasfilm. It's whoever you're directly working for. Jason then goes back to this whole thing about, again, it's the victim thing of, well, you're depriving the accused person of redemption, meaning what? He keeps saying that uh, they should have given her another chance. I guess the implication is that they should have given her another chance. And again, from the information that's out there, it sounds like they've already talked to her, gave her a few options on how to fix the things she did wrong, and she refused. No apologize. No apology. No apology. No apology. That is the mantra of Rebel Force Radio. That is the mantra of Gina Carano. So then you have your consequences. Period. You cannot have it any easier than that. If anybody would have said to them, you know what? You can kind of get back in the good graces of Lucasfilm if you offer some kind of an apology or to the people that you insulted, you know, that trans journalist that you were making fun of or, the, you know, the, the, how you feel about women in comic books and all that other stuff. And you very clearly said in your interview that you don't apologize because if you apologize, then it opens up the floodgates for other people to attack you. So you build the house with no apologies and then you go on from there. Again, that is a very straight, direct philosophy that comes from some of the idols that uh, Jason mentioned, like, again, Rush Limbaugh, the, you know, the previous administration, 
all that stuff is about just plow through and don't apologize and F your feelings. You know, I remember seeing that sticker in the back of a car the other day. Vote for so-and-so. F your feelings. That's their mantra. Okay, that's what you're dealing with. He mentions also how not offering them redemption, you know, it ruins their their lives. It could ruin their families. They have to think of their families. It's like, well, that's what you should think of before you do the things you do. That's what she should have thought of before doing the things she did. I don't mean, I don't know if she's married. I don't know if she has kids. I have no idea what her situation is. But she seems to, whether true or false, which I think it's false, bouncing back really easily, you know, this thing that she's doing with Shapiro, and I'm sure he's going to be able to hook her up with all of these conservative filmmakers that are out there. So she's going to be fine, according, you know, I think according to her. I don't think so. But listen, that's what you that's the image you want to portray out there. Go right ahead. Jimmy tries to bring back that whole certain point of view thing. And again, that, that argument doesn't work with me. He wants to know why people cannot be open-minded. I mean, again, it is so hypocritical to talk about not being open-minded when you yourself are not open-minded. You yourself are mocking things that are different, things that don't jive with your political you know, point of view. So you cannot blame the victim card when you are the one who's getting clobbered after you were the one doing the clobbering. You can't do that. Uh, Jason continues to talk about people being more adaptable to social media and how the rules work and how things work in social media, how potentially dangerous it could be. Yeah, that's all. That's true. You got to be able to work social media and you have to be able to know about the the negative aspects of social media when it comes to these sort of things, these statements that are out there that can continue to haunt you, you know, potential future employers, current employers, all kinds of things uh, that, you know, it could come and, and, and haunt you. And he, again, the closest he can come to rationalizing the firing of her is not, again, because of the things she said, is because of the mob. This mob, this angry mob that's out there with pitchforks and torches. Now, when I think of the mob, I'm thinking of (laughs) January 5th. But I have a feeling he's not thinking of that mob. I have a feeling he's thinking of a different mob, more of a a social justice mob, like a BLM kind of mob, like a summer, you know, they just killed somebody and we're angry at. I think that's the kind of mob he's more thinking about. And he's, he's talking about how, you know, the mob reaction is the reason why you angered these people, these people that are just, you know, and that's why she was fired because of. Disney reacting to the mob as opposed to Disney reacting to what she said. And Jimmy's saying that, yeah, because Disney sides with the mob. They relate to the mob. And that's their way of, of rationalizing, I guess, that Disney does not side with them. Disney does not side with their political views, their handling, their social ideas of how people should engage each other. They're upset that Disney is siding with the other side, the majority of the country that wants inclusivity, that wants all that kind of stuff that they don't agree with. And they're not people, they're just a mob. So they're basically saying that Disney is siding with the this dehumanized mob of, of violent people. And again, I say to you, think about what happened a month ago. There was a mob trying to storm the Senate. And they were not demanding inclusivity. They weren't demanding LGTB rights. They were not demanding for us to be more accepting of people of color, of 
different backgrounds of sexual orientation, being more accepting of women. No, they wanted something completely different. They wanted something that aligns a little more with the kind of world that these guys wish existed. That is the mob that I think of, but that's not the mob that they're referring to. I think that the mob that they're referring to are more like the George Floyd protesters. Those are the mobs that really frighten people like this more uh, than anything else. Those are the bad guys to them. Those people are what keeps them awake at night, I think. Jimmy then states that she does kind of, it, it sounds to him like he, like she does get off on the attention and goes back to that whole thing about she just likes to fight. She likes to be in a state of fighting. So you can't take the fighter out of the actor. So she, that is why she might have done it. It's because she likes to be in, engaged in some shape or form in some kind of conflict. And Jason also mentions that no matter how you feel about this, that we, meaning Star Wars fans or maybe his Star Wars fans want Star Wars to win no matter what. They just want Star Wars and they don't want all this negativity and they don't want... And it's like, I completely agree. I don't want all this negativity. I do want Star Wars to win. I want more Star Wars. The more Star Wars, the better, I kept saying. Even bad Star Wars is better than no Star Wars. I don't care. Keep it coming. But the problem is that this is always going to go back to the same thing that I mentioned about a thousand times already. Their vision of Star Wars is very different. They will continue to rewrite history. They will continue to imagine the Star Wars characters fighting for the different cause than the cause that they're fighting for. They will continue to try to adapt their personal politics into these Star Wars characters that don't share those political views. And when you do that, you're going to keep having this conflict of, you know, the circle will not fit in the square and the square will not fit in the circle. They don't match. So you're going to continue to do this. You're going to continue to side with the people that are not representing the spirit of Star Wars, the characters that are not behaving in a Star Warsy manner, if you will. So you then end up creating, you know, this whole new thing. Jimmy even mentions at the end that even they in the past have have kind of gotten into situations and from the fans and and they've gotten some negativity from not only the fans but from Lucasfilm. That is very important. That is very important because that is probably the only way for them to understand that they're in the wrong side of this whole thing. They are on the wrong side because if the thing that you love the most is telling you you are wrong, then guess what? You're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Lucasfilm basically banned them from participating in Celebration. They went through a period where a lot of the actors were not even touching them. They were staying away, you know, they were staying away from them like the plague. Now, from what I understand, some of them are starting to kind of crawl back to them. And I don't blame them because these guys, they need a career. They have to do something. They need to generate funds. And especially last year, everybody is pr probably going broke because they don't have work. So they need to generate whatever possible work exists out there. So they are going to come back in some shape or form eventually. Even Sansweet has dipped his toe in it. And that's a whole other story. Because uh, I don't think the, the things that Sansweet uh, wants to represent in terms of the Star Wars community, I don't think, and his particular contribution, you know, to the Star Wars community really doesn't match up too well with the uh, RFR crowd. 
But you know what? The man needs to turn a buck. You know, that museum is not going to fund itself. So he will have to go and go out there and promote and meet with people that he might not necessarily agree with. But, you know, at a certain point, you have to make those decisions. Do you sacrifice a little bit of your integrity to keep the cash flow going? I guess sometimes you have to. I guess sometimes you have to bite the bullet and take your punches and, uh, you know, keep the bank account on the positive side. So this has been an interesting discussion or breakdown of where we're at, you know, when it comes to this Gina Carano situation, where the company stands, where the fans stand, you know, it's a, there's a division in the fans as usual, and it all stems, it all goes back to politics. It goes back to easily, the easiest way to figure out where the line is, you go back to the issue of toxic fandom. You go back to these battle lines that were drawn years ago in many different ways. There were certain highlights, there were certain events that made that line more clear than it was before. John Boyega, a black actor being cast. Daisy Ridley, a woman being the lead of a Star Wars film. There were certain things that really pushed a few people over the edge. And the overwhelming political situation we've had for the last couple of years really had people pick sides. And it wasn't like people turned into this or that. It was all there already. It was just a matter of redefining yourself and and kind of telling the world, what, what group are you with? Are you with this group or are you with that group? This is what I will not stand for when it comes to my Star Wars. And forgetting the fact that it's not your Star Wars. It is not yours. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to these guys. It belongs to whoever has the license. Lucas ran it. Now Disney's running it. Politically, I think they're pretty much on the same side. Lucas is way more liberal than Disney. Disney is a corporate entity. is not a person. But Disney wants the Lucas audience, the Lucas philosophy. Again, Disney is not going to turn Star Wars into Fox News. Sorry to break your heart, RFR. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to make your own Star Wars, just like Lucas made his own Flash Gordon. You can make your own Star Wars. There's plenty of angry actors and directors out there that can probably, you know, work with you. Ben Shapiro is probably the, the best example. He's going to produce some fantastic material. Probably not. But, you know, that's the way you have to go with it. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. This was a little different. This was a little longer than usual. We went through the entire drama of all of the things that Carano did before she got fired and that resulted in getting fired. And we also took a second look, because we hadn't really looked at this in a while, of how the Star Wars community, specifically one group uh, that we've had issues with in the past, again, this is a group that tried to get us removed from YouTube, just to see what their take on it would be. I had my own personal guesses as to how they would handle it. I think I pretty much nailed it in terms of, yep, that's exactly where they would go with it. So in a way, uh, this allowed me to kind of take the pulse on, at this stage, you know, four years later, after the political change in this country, how it's now shifting in an opposite direction, that they are sticking 
to their beliefs and they're sticking to their guns. Basically, they're sticking to their politics. So their fandom continues to be attached to a certain political philosophy that now takes this incident, the Carano incident, and embraces her more than ever before. You know, she is now a bigger friend of the show, if you will. I mean, I don't I wouldn't be surprised if eventually she makes her way to some of these podcast venues like Geeks and Gamers, like Rebel Force Radio, like, you know, that crowd, you know, of the spectrum of fandom. She is going to need all the friends she can get at this point. And from their perspective, this would be a great get, you know, considering, you know, how their their guest pool seemed to have dried up for a very long time. If one day they can get her, that would be a great thing for them. Because she now is, like I mentioned before, the, the poster child for their perceived cancel culture. Another ridiculous term that seems to kind of drift like a windsock back in the wind, back and forth, depending on who's the person that feels that they're being marginalized in this situation. So I promise you we are going to return to a regular show next week. And thank you, everybody, for listening and we will see you here soon at GeekFest Rants. Bye-bye, everybody. You did something very interesting with Star Wars, if you think about it. The good guys are the rebels. They're using asymmetric warfare against a highly organized empire. I think we call those guys terrorists today. We call them Mujahideen. We call them Al-Qaeda. When I did it, they were Viet Cong. Exactly. So were you thinking of that at the time? Yes. So it was a very anti-authoritarian, very kind of 60s, against the man kind of thing, nested or, deep inside a, or, a, a fantasy. Or a colonial, you know, we're fighting the largest empire in the world. Right. And we're just a bunch of hayseeds in coonskin hats that don't right. know nothing. That's right. And it was the same thing with the Vietnamese. Yep. The irony of that one is in, in both of those, the little the little guys won, right? And the big, highly technical Im- the, empire, the English Empire, right? the English the empire, empire, the American Empire, yeah. lost. Yeah, that was the whole point. But that's a classic us not profiting from the lesson of history because you look at the inception of this country and it's very it's a very noble fight of the underdog against the massive empire you look at the situation now where america is so proud of being the biggest economy the most powerful military force on the planet it's become the empire in the from the perspective well, of a lot of people around the world it was the empire during the vietnam war and but we never learned you know from england or rome or you know a dozen other Empires, empires that fall. went on for hundreds of years or yeah. sometimes thousands of years, we never got it. We right. never said, well, wait, 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 wait. This isn't the right thing to do. And we're still struggling with it. And they fall because of failure of leadership or, or, or government often. And Mostly you, know, it's, you have a great line, which is, so this is how liberty dies. To thund- we're in the middle of it right to now. To thunderous applause. Exactly. It's the, it's, it was a condemnation of populism. In a science fiction context. That's a theme that runs all the way through Star Wars. I didn't want to do a movie about how people take over democracy. I wanted to figure out how democracies give themselves over to tyrants. And, uh, you know, like after the Roman Senate kills Caesar, why did they turn the whole thing over to his nephew? You know, here's an interesting thing about democracy is if you don't treat it well, if you don't do your job, especially if you're a representative, 
in the Senate or the Parliament or whatever, um, you know, the whole thing can go awry because if you're always bickering and not agreeing on things and doing the people's work who elected you, a tyrant will come in and take over and do it for you because the people want to get the job done and they will tend to go where the, the, the person that's got the most leadership is. If you would like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, copyright 2021. <laughs>